The MarTech Podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. From advertising to software as a service to data, Across all of our programs and clients, we've seen a 55 to 65% open rate. Getting brands authentically integrated into content performs better than TV advertising. Typical lifespan of an article is about 24 to 36 hours. If we're reaching out to the right person with the right message and a clear call to action, then it's just a matter of timing. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast, a Ben J. Shap LLC production. In this podcast, you'll hear the stories of world-class marketers that use technology to drive business results and achieve career success. We'll unearth the real-world experiences of some of the brightest minds in the marketing and technology space so you can learn the tools, tips, and tricks they've learned along the way. Now here's the host of the MarTech Podcast, Benjamin Shapiro. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast. Today, we're going to discuss how to build a go-to-market strategy. Joining us is Mark Donegan, who is a marketing and business growth consultant. Mark designs and executes marketing programs that produce real business results for early and growth stage technology companies that need help launching their first product, opening a new market, or scaling further and faster sustainably. Yesterday, Mark and I talked about his strategy for building a go-to-market growth process. And today we're going to talk about engineering's role in marketing for that go-to-market plan. All right, here's the second part of my conversation with Mark Dunnigan, marketing and business growth consultant. Mark, welcome back to the MarTech Podcast. It's great to be here. Thanks, Ben. Excited to have you back on the show and excited to continue our conversation from yesterday. We talked about building the go-to-market plan, and you've got a four-step process. Remind me of the four stages of the process. Absolutely. So it's capture, educate, engage, convert. So we capture the market's attention. We educate them on our point of view. We engage them and they engage with us, which is really causing the market to listen. And then convert is, you know, they actually take action, which could be ultimately, of course, that means revenue. It means that they choose to buy, but there can sometimes be some interim steps there, depending on what our goals are. Right. And so we have our four-step process. And my takeaway from yesterday's conversation is that most people think about go-to-market as you mentioned that that's kind of a flywheel. The fundamental principles of marketing is you have to have awareness and you have to get engagement and get some contact information and hopefully be able to you know retain and sell. Going through that flywheel, which is not a linear journey, the way to get that flywheel started is really to understand who your customers are. So when you actually go out and try to drive awareness, try to get that initial engagement, you understand what to say to the people you're trying to reach. Now, it's not as simple as just doing your homework, understanding your customers. A lot goes into building the go-to-market strategy from a product to a marketing to an analytics process. Talk to me a little bit about how you work with engineering as part of your go-to-marketing process. So I have a lot of experience here because I primarily work with technical founders. And usually these are sales where 
we're coming to market with a solution that there is a need, but maybe that need is not fully identified. Or in some cases, we are looking to build sufficient awareness for the need that then there's a reason to buy, you know, the solution. So what I find is that, first of all, I'll start by saying that it's very natural for product or technical founders to, of course, they understand what they built very well. I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> but they don't know who the buyer is. And what I mean by that is beyond a industry or, you know, like, oh, well, we would be selling to CTOs, of course. That's not what I'm talking about. What I mean is deep inside the organization, nowadays, you do not sell to a function. So maybe 10 or 15 years ago, certainly 20, 25 years ago, you could call on CTOs. And that was kind of the first stop in almost every major organization, regardless of what you were selling, you call on the CTO and then that person may even just wholesale make a decision or they bring in two or three of their lieutenants and they make a decision. Nowadays, even if the budget is controlled by the CTO, and even if it's that person's signature that will be on the PO, almost never is that actually the buyer. And in some cases, the buyer can be somebody who the CTO has barely even met. And what I mean by that is that in many technical sales and many B2B sales contexts, there are subject matter experts who ultimately the organization has said, hey, we hired this person as the one or two or three or handful of experts in this one area where we're planning to make a purchase decision. And it doesn't matter if they are fairly high up in the organization or fairly junior. They're the subject matter expert. And if they believe this is the right move, then we go with that. If they don't, we don't go with that. So this is why knowing who the buyer is, and the only way you can really do this is by spending a lot of time in the field and ultimately by being really a participant in the ecosystem. The second thing is, Often I find that technical founders don't really know what the need of the market or the buyers who are going to consume their product is. So the assumption is, hey, we're better, faster, cheaper. So why would they not want to talk to us? Well, what's the real need? How are they really using the solution? What are they really doing? And if we don't have a clear understanding of that, then it's going to be very, very difficult when we go into a selling context because we're just going to be missing our sales messages are not going to be connecting. And the third is related to the first two, but it's equally important to call out separately. And that is that if you don't know who the beneficiary of the solution is, you can also find yourself in a situation, and I'm speaking from experience here, where you have an amazing sales process going. You are just certain that the deal is going to close. And it's just, you know, in Salesforce, it's at 90%. And then all of a sudden, the opportunity has gone. And everybody's shocked. What happened? How could this go from being pretty much a 90% opportunity, 80% opportunity to nothing? Well, almost always what ended up happening was when it came all the way down to, again, the CTO signing that PO, the real beneficiary was not the person we were talking to. 
And at that moment, the real beneficiary rises up and says, wait a second, this isn't what I need or want, or I have a different solution, or we can build it, or whatever the alternative is, and the deal goes sideways. So you have to know who your buyer is and and who that person is deep in the organization. You have to know what they want or need and how they want to consume your technology. So do they want to consume it on the cloud? Are they going to install it on-prem? Do they have some specific technical requirements? Because if we don't understand that, that right there could be a big problem. And then we have to know who the beneficiary is of the solution. Yeah, I think that there's two ways where the type of deal that you're talking about goes sideways. There is the operator wants a piece of software and goes to, you know, let's say, I'll use an example. The in-house SEO says, I want to use this expensive SEO data analysis tool. And they go to the head of marketing or they go to the CTO, whoever their executive management is, and says, I want this tool. And they have to sell it internally. And sometimes the executive buyer says, I'm not paying for this. It's not coming out of my budget, even though there's a desire from the organization. And then sometimes the executive buyer says, hey, we need to go find an SEO tool. SEO, go figure out this is the right one, isn't it? And then the SEO is saying, as the operator, this isn't a fit. And the reason why I'm bringing this up is there is this sort of shared dynamic between who's signing the checks and then who's actually using the tool. As you think about that balance and you're putting together a go-to-marketing strategy to address these two different types of buyers, the operator and the budget holder, the executive. Time for a one-minute break to hear from our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. In 1919, John Wanamaker said, half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. I just don't know which half. Well, the advertising landscape has changed since then. And instead of reaching your audience on two channels, you're probably reaching them on 20. Turns out John didn't know how easy he had it. But that doesn't mean that you should give up on striving towards marketing effectiveness. No matter how complex your marketing strategy is, Mutinex Growth OX is the market mix modeling platform that measures the impact of marketing on your bottom line. Mutinex's market mix modeling platform calibrates your insights against the latest market conditions so you can make media and marketing investment decisions confidently and quickly. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, your best decision starts here. To learn more about Mutinex, go to mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Okay, here's the rest of today's interview. A special thanks to our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, the marketing mixed modeling platform that makes measuring ROI fast, easy, and cost-effective. Request a demo at mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. How do you market to both of these people who are potentially in very different stages of their career? Yeah, and thinking about very different things. So first of all, I really like that you called out the operator as a function. 
because I also find that the operator in certain contexts can be much more risk adverse. In other words, they don't want to take risk because their KPIs might be around uptime or, you know, various things. Now, in your example, like SEO, it's not that case. But, you know, not too long ago, I was selling software into very, very large video services. So, Think like any of the streaming video entertainment services you might watch, Apple, Netflix, et cetera. So what's really interesting is, is that depending on who in the organization and what their responsibility is, the more operational they were, the harder it was to sell them because they're sitting here thinking, we're not losing subscribers today because there's something inherently wrong with our service. In fact, people are ecstatic. They use it. They love it. And anything we introduce into our pipeline could cause us unforeseen issues just because there's integration, there's engineering. And so that is something that requires a very, very different approach during the sales process. So, for example, what we would do is our VP of engineering, our CTO, the heavy duty technical people on our side would often spend their time focused on the operational people. Why? Because they are there to say, hey, we're here to help you. Hey, we understand what your issues are. Hey, we know your systems. Hey, if you get into trouble, we're going to be here for you. So that then through both just literally communicating these facts, but also as that person begins to get to know those people in the organization, then they start to say, you know, yes, there's always a risk, but boy, these people are really sharp and I'm really impressed with this person. And wow, this guy over here, he is good. And boy, if we if we run into problems, I am sure that they will be there to help us. So I understand the notion behind marketing towards the operator that creates an internal advocate. But I do think that there's got to be some value towards also marketing towards the executive, the signing party. Talk to me about whether that's valuable or not. It's absolutely valuable. And that's where what they respond to is strategic, directional. How is this going to give them competitive benefit? So if we're thinking about like an ABM strategy, which I believe personally, all marketing today is ABM. So that's why, you know, this is even the first time I mentioned ABM. But the fact is, is we do have to know who our audience is. And so for the senior executive, who's probably the budget holder, you know, what I'm going to be hitting them with in terms of content and in terms of how I approach them is how what my solution, what my product is going to do to make them more competitive, how it's going to help align strategic goals that, you know, if they're a public company, a lot of this is disclosed, right? So they talked in their last earnings call about what their strategies are, what their plans are over the next two quarters. And hopefully I'm going to be able to find something that I can intersect with and I can clearly connect what we're trying to sell them with what they've already said publicly a strategic goal is. Yeah, I think that the distinction that's important to pull out here is that there are two groups that you need to be able to market to, right? The executive buyers that are thinking about the strategy, putting their products together, how your products and services are going to help them reach the entire organization's goal. And then you have your operators who are thinking about the utility, about how it's going to impact the KPIs, uh, you know, their, their very specific KPIs. And when you're putting your go-to-market strategy together, you cannot just think about who is going to be using your product. If you're marketing towards a large organization, 
you have to think about who's using it and who's buying it. And often, if not always, those are different people. Yes, precisely. And you'll also notice in this whole conversation, I didn't say one thing about competitive battle cards as an example. Now, I'm not saying that at some point, yes, and especially in a more mature market. And as a company, you know, we're focused this conversation a little more on kind of like a new product or maybe a startup with, you know, doing something completely new. But even when you're established and when there's a there's a market, there's an ecosystem around what you're doing. The way that we're talking now about how you approach the market in these two constituent groups applies the same. And I think that the old days of just all this competitive intelligence and putting out all this stuff on websites and competitive matrices and shootouts and all of this, it just, it's not that relevant. Buyers today, first of all, don't have time to read it and they don't read most of that. And then furthermore, often what happens, and I've seen this firsthand is, If they don't read everything, they can pick and choose and they might come to the wrong conclusion that could work against us because maybe they didn't read the whole report or they read someone else's report. They read this one, they read that, but they didn't read what we wrote. So you have to get in there. You have to approach based on real practical. What is the problem? How do we solve it? And then how do we help connect to a real business outcome that's on the executive side? And if those conversations are fruitful, it sure makes the sales process that much easier. It doesn't mean you're going to win the deal, but you're well on your way. Mark, I appreciate you coming on the show. I appreciate you listening to the show. Thanks for sharing your insight. It's been great to have you as our guest on the MarTech Podcast. Hey, you're welcome. It's really great to be here. Thanks, Ben. All right. And that wraps up this episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks to Mark Dunnigan, marketing and business growth consultant for joining us. If you'd like to get in touch with Mark, you can find a link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can contact him on Twitter. His handle is mdunnigan, M-D-O-N-N-I-G-A-N, or you could visit his website, which is growthstage.marketing. Just one more link in our show notes I'd like to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, head over to martechpod.com where we have summaries of all of our episodes, contact information for our guests. You could subscribe to our once a week newsletter. You can even send us your topic suggestions or your marketing questions, which we'll answer live on our show. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is martechpod, M-A-R-T-E-C-H-P-O-D on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Or you can contact me directly. My handle is Ben J. Shap, B-E-N-J. S-H-A-P. And if you haven't subscribed yet and you want a daily stream of marketing and technology knowledge in your podcast feed, we're going to publish an episode every day this year. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow morning. All right, that's it for today. But until next time, my advice is to just focus on keeping your customers happy. Thanks for listening to the MarTech Podcast, and I hear everything production. Looking to launch or scale a podcast like this one for your brand? Then visit IHearEverything.com.